Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. Now it's time to turn to the Bible reading, which is Luke Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. A very familiar passage, but it's familiar because we always hear it at this time of year because it reminds us exactly why we celebrate Christmas. This is the passage that Luke is going to preach to us in a moment. So let's read together Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they... What had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas. Sounded like Santa Claus then, didn't I? But I hope you have a, a great Christmas this year, and it's wonderful to look out tonight and see so many smiling faces. Uh, for those that I haven't met, uh, my name is Luke Williams. I'm the lead pastor here at Follow, and, and the guy you saw up here before is David Young. He's our resident um, comedian and uh, <laughs> associate pastor. So I'm nowhere near as funny as him, but uh, he's done a great job tonight. And so it's going to be a, a wonderful uh, night tonight to, to celebrate Jesus and to really focus in on um, the birth of Christ and um, yeah, I'm really excited to, to be here. And if you're visiting tonight, uh, just a really uh, warm welcome. I'd like to extend my welcome as well. And if you're um, visiting and you're looking for a church uh, in this area, we'd love to see you again. But it's great to have you with us. Uh, if you're a regular, though, I just wanted to say a huge thank you uh, to all the people at our church. I'm so grateful for all that you do. But more importantly, I'm grateful for who you are. 
And as I look out, this really for me is a dream come true. Uh, having said that, it's a dream that's only just starting. And I'm really excited to be uh, with a group of people who are passionate about Jesus, who love to bless people in our community, and who have a heart for mission. And so uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's given so much this year, uh, whether it's your time or your energy or your finance, or whether it's serving on a weekend or in one of our outreaches. Um, it's a real blessing to be journeying with you. And so a huge thank you from me. Tonight, as David said, is a historic moment. It's our first ever Saturday night service, and so it's great to be here for our first Christmas Eve, and I'm really excited because I get to wear my Saturday night jocks. I uh, have Sunday jocks, and they say Sunday in pink, and tonight I get to wear my Saturday night ones, and they say Saturday in blue, so I'm feeling very manly, and you're probably thinking that's far too much info for a Christmas Eve service, or for any service for that matter, and you're probably right, and so just don't picture that, let's just move on with what tonight's all about. But tonight, uh, I want to talk about peace. And um, if these guys stop giggling, I can do that. Um, but I want to talk about peace. And it might seem like a strange thing to talk about at Christmas time, because I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like Christmas is kind of chaotic. So much stuff happening. Who here has braved Fountain Gate in the last week or so? Keep your hand up. The prayer team going to pray for you at the end of the service. Uh, you're still here. That's a great effort. But I've got to say that I find shopping incredibly stressful. I mean, I find it stressful before we leave the house. I'm like, kids, get in the car. And one's out in the backyard and one's bouncing out of bed and one's in the shower. And 20 minutes before, I said, we're leaving in 20 minutes and no one's ready. It's kind of like herding cats. But we finally get in the car. We drive out of the driveway. We get out of our estate. And then we get to an area that all of us know uh, fondly in the southeast. It's called the M1. And uh, we get on the M1, and it's a bit of a crawl for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes to Fountain Gate. And by this stage, you're already a bit antsy, you're a bit angry, a bit frustrated, and then you get to the car park. <laughs> and uh, the car park is where even the most self-controlled Christians completely fall apart. Uh, you try to get your spot, and someone cuts in, and you're like, Merry Christmas to you too! <laughs> you turkey! And then half an hour later, you find a spot that you stole off someone else and they've yelled out the same thing to you. <laughs> and by this stage, you're fuming and you haven't even set foot in the shopping centre yet. And we know what it's like once you get in there, all the hustle and bustle and fighting for stuff. And I find it incredibly, incredibly stressful. But hopefully tonight, um, you've all got to the stage where you've bought all your gifts and they're under the tree. And um, I know that the wives are really good at that. The husbands are probably thinking, now that you mention it, I wonder what time the shops are open till tonight. <laughs> As soon as this is finished, I'm off to Fountain Gate to work out the presents. But I hope that um, you've got most of the busyness out of the way. And tonight we can really hone in and focus on what's most important at Christmas time, and that's the birth of Jesus Christ. And so tonight I want to talk about peace. And peace is such a great thing, isn't it? It's great to be people that experience peace. And I see all the young mums with little kids, and you're looking at me thinking, what is he talking about? What is peace? I don't remember experiencing peace for a long time and whether you're a, a parent with young children or whether you're uh, in any phase of life, sometimes peace just fe uh, feels really elusive. This week we had our leaders break up dinner on Monday night and it was a great night. I've got an amazing bunch of leaders and we laughed and joked and came around God's word and we prayed and we went deeper in relationship and just a wonderful night. And when we finished, I, I drove home and I pulled into the driveway and I pressed the button and the garage door went up. And straight away I noticed that Kim's car wasn't parked in the garage. Kim's my wife. And at this stage I start to panic. 
And I think to myself, as I start to sob, she's left me. She's left me. And then I said, Luke, come on, be realistic. Would she leave this? Definitely not. And so I went in the house and I thought there must be another explanation. And so I jumped on the phone and I said, Kim, what's going on? Where are you? And she says, I'm leaving. Uh, No, she didn't really. She said, uh, I'm at my parents' house and um, Adele's had her hair cut and it's got a bit late. And I've got an appointment in Cranbourne tomorrow, which is kind of halfway. And so we're going to stay the night. And I was just about to call you. Uh, I'm convinced at that point she'd forgotten I existed. Um, but I'm going to take her word for it. And, um, and so I was feeling a little bit bummed. And I thought, ah, I'm not going to get to see my family tonight. And then it hit me like a, a fresh breeze. And I suddenly dawned on me, I have the house to myself. It's after 10 o'clock, but I cannot waste a moment like this. And I thought, what do people do when this kind of thing occurs? And so I went and got a book and I kind of reclined on the couch and I got myself a drink and I sat there nice and comfy and um, I, I flicked on the TV and watched a little bit of TV. And then, and then guess what I did? I walked up the stairs. I didn't tiptoe. I walked up the stairs. In fact, I thumped up the stairs and I thought, there's no one here. I was singing as I went up the stairs and nobody said, shh be quiet. And I thought, this is amazing. And then I got into my room and I thought, well, I better brush my teeth. And, and usually I'm, you know, really quiet, but mate, it was like a hedge trimmer. I was like, <laughs> and I was brushing it like crazy. And then it got to the pinnacle of my night. And it was when I got into bed and I got into bed and I kind of spread eagled. I was like, oh, I felt like a king. This is amazing. Every square inch of the bed I took up that night and it was just an incredible night or couple of hours that I really enjoyed and I really love my family to bits and um, I, I really do but I tell you it was a little unexpected slice of heaven on Monday night and then the next morning the family came home <laughs> and the peace evaporated. But for me, uh, for a, a couple of hours there was that elusive little feeling uh, of what I like to call peace. And I think all of us want to find lasting peace in our lives, Uh, not just in the superficial things like a quiet house, but peace at the deepest level of our soul. One of the things I love about Christmas is it's the birth, it's a story of the birth of a child who came to bring us peace. Tonight uh, is week three of our Christmas series titled The Promise, The Prayer and The Prince. And tonight's message is simply called The Prince. And I really want to hone in on four key verses in the passage, and they're verses 10 through to verse 14, and so let me read them for you again tonight. But the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Let's do this together tonight. Good news. Pathetic. Good news. Great joy. All people. Good news. Great joy for all people. And that's in a nutshell what the Christmas story is all about. It's good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. On earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. One of the reasons I love the Christmas story is that we stop and we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Prince of Peace. It's good news of great joy for all people. The birth of Jesus is one of the most defining moments in human history. 
If there was a trinity of important historical moments, this would be in the top three right alongside Jesus' death and, of course, Jesus' resurrection. Listen to how this birth is announced prophetically in the book of Isaiah 700 plus years before it occurred. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so here's the question that's been bobbling around in my head all week. It's pretty empty in there, so a lot of stuff bobbles around. But the question I had in my head this week is simply this. If Christmas time is celebrating the birth of the Prince of Peace, why is it that Christmas is so darn stressful? If you talk to police and emergency services, they will tell you statistically that Christmas Day is one of, if not the worst day of the year, for violence and conflict. And for many, it's a time of heightened kind of stress. Christmas seems to have become about the presents and the shopping and the parking and the breakups and the stress and the money and the family tension and Santa Claus and the reindeers and busyness. It seems to have become about everything other than Jesus. Just this week, I read an article in the paper talking about a particular shire in Sydney. And this year, they decided to take the word Christmas out of all of their Christmas decorations. And so they decorated the streets with streamers and big banners. And on every banner, it simply said, very merry. What does that even mean? Very merry what? They wanted to take Christ out of their Christmas decorations. And it seems to me that we're in a society where many people want to take Jesus out of Christmas. And we wonder why there's no peace in this season and in our hearts throughout our lives. Jesus in our culture has slowly been replaced with the stuff, and yet we still expect the peace that only he can provide. I hope you liked the video we showed a moment ago. I thought it was pretty awesome when I saw it this week. And one of the lines that I found really challenging was when the guy said that we want all of his things, but we don't want him. He's talking about Santa Claus, but ultimately he's talking about our attitude towards God. I have teenage daughters at home, and I've observed what I believe to be a universal truth about daughters. Do you want to hear it? Excellent. They're growing up, aren't they? Very good. Okay. Up until the age of 13, you cannot get them in the shower. After the age of 13, you cannot get them out of the shower. That's a universal truth when you have daughters. And our daughter spent a long time in the shower, and particularly uh, one of our daughters, I won't name her name, um, but she's our oldest, and her name <laughs> rhymes with a bell, which ultimately is what we should install on the door when she goes into the shower, because I swear sometimes she goes in there at night and she doesn't come out till the next morning. And I don't know what she does in there. Sometimes I'm worried she's slipped over and she's knocked her head and she's in a coma or something. And, and this week I, I said to her, um, a bell... What on earth takes so long in there? And then she said to me what all ladies say. She said, I had to wash my hair. And I said, listen here, princess, when I was your age, I had long flowing hair and it went past my shoulders and I never remember it taking 14 hours to clean. At which point she said, but yeah, dad, but you don't have to put treatment in your hair. I don't even know what that means. It just sounds like something that happens at a sewage plant, you know, like there's treatment going on there. and, And I'm completely confused what she means by that. But up until the age of 13, I could not get them in the shower. But if I asked them, do you want to be the stinky kid at school? 
Guaranteed, they say no. But they just want to achieve that without the water. And you and I know that it doesn't work that way. Let me put it another way. If you're camping in winter and you're sitting around a fire pit and there's a bunch of people in a circle and you're trying to keep warm and toast some marshmallows, just imagine someone came and took the fire pit and walked it a kilometre up the road and put it there. Now you would be crazy to stay in that circle and expect to stay warm and to toast your marshy. Because what happens is that to be clean, you need water, and to stay warm, you need heat. And I believe to experience joy that truly lasts and peace that truly lasts, you need Jesus. We want peace without the Prince of Peace. We want Christmas without the Christ, and it just doesn't work that way. In Luke chapter 2, the angel makes it clear that there is a peace that is only able to be accessed, experienced, and enjoyed through a living relationship with Jesus, the baby born at the very first Christmas. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. And so the question I want to sort of answer tonight is simply this, what is the peace that Jesus provides? Because I don't think the angel was primarily talking about peace on earth. If I was in a beauty pageant and you said, what do you want? I would say, world peace. Uh, I don't think that's primarily what Jesus is talking about, although I think he is keen on world peace. He calls us to be the light of the world. He calls us to be agents of reconciliation, to bring his love and blessing into a world that desperately needs it. And we know as Christians that one day he promises that he's going to return and we'll experience peace in all of its fullness. He says he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death. No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. We know a time is coming when Jesus returns and we will live in perfect peace. But in the meantime, Jesus himself says there'll be wars and rumors of war and conflict and strife. And so I think the peace the angel is referring to is actually something else and something at a greater level. Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, the the father of John the Baptist prophesied about Jesus And he said, God has provided a horn of salvation to enable us to serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness all of our days. This week I read a blog and it said, what kind of peace does Jesus give those who trust in him? They went on to write, it's a quiet confidence that since our sovereign, loving, all-powerful God is in control, we have nothing to fear. I think that the angels announcing there's a peace that's available in our lives through Christ that's unshakable because it's dependent on him and not on our circumstances. Philippians chapter 4 calls it a peace that transcends all understanding, a peace we can have when it makes no sense, a peace we can have when the circumstances say that we shouldn't have peace. And it's a peace that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The greatest peace that we experience is that Jesus um, answers the biggest questions of life, questions of identity, worth, and future. Questions like, who am I? And do I matter? Am I loved unconditionally? Do I have a purpose? Is there any hope for the future? What happens when I die? These are the questions that many people spend their whole lives pursuing, but never answering, never finding an answer to those very questions. Jesus came to earth to not only provide answers but solutions to these questions. You know, a few years ago, I came to a crisis point in my life. I'd worked for 11 years as a carpenter and I finished up as a carpenter and I went into ministry as a pastor. 
a bit like Jesus. And after six years, I resigned from that position. And all of a sudden, I found myself in what I would call an identity crisis. I was no longer Luke the carpenter. I was no longer Pastor Luke. And I, I found myself thinking to myself, I'm a nobody. Who on earth am I now? My identity was lost because it's so often caught up in what we do rather than who we truly are. At the same time, I felt severe left, let down from people that were close to me, some of my closest friends. I was shut out of their lives. I felt completely alone. My sense of worth came crashing to the ground. I felt completely worthless. And in that season of my life, I was consumed by what people said and what people thought. And, and all that sort of stuff was a real struggle in my life. I also had huge doubts and uncertainty about the future. Was there any hope for me? What was I going to do with my life? Would I ever find another role? Was I any good at this pastoring thing? And it hit me in that season of life how quickly life can change and how fast any sense of peace can evaporate when we look for peace in all the wrong places. See, if we look for identity or worth or hope for the future or value in our lives, in our career or in people's opinions or uh, in our bank account or in our success, the thing about all those things is that none of them are steady, none of them are secure. And so they can be here one day and you can be riding the wave of success and the next day you can be a failure and you can have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or wife and they can all fall apart and, and all of a sudden you're riding this roller coaster of emotions and you never have any lasting peace in your life because the things you're looking for peace in can just disappear overnight. And for me, I found myself in that season where that's exactly what happened to me. And that situation turned out to be a defining moment in my life because I realized my peace was dependent on many things, but it wasn't primarily being found in Christ. And I realized in that time that it's only Jesus who can bring any sort of lasting peace into those key areas of life. Tonight, Dave read the Christmas story and we read about how Jesus came to us in a manger. But he didn't just stay in the manger. He went on to live a perfect life. He was God in human form. Emmanuel, God with us. If your picture of God is a, a giant St. Nick in the sky or some distant, aloof, faraway God, then look no further than the Christmas story where we see the creator of the universe left the glory and majesty and perfection of heaven to come and enter his creation. The creator entered his creation and he came as one of us. He drew near to us. He drew near to us in the most intimate and dynamic, incredible way we could ever imagine. That's what God's like. He wants relationship with us. But he not only came to dwell amongst us. At Easter time, we remember he also came to die for us. On the cross, he took all of our mistakes upon himself, all the things we've done wrong, all the things we've thought wrong, all the things we've said wrong. Jesus on the cross died in our place for all the things we've done wrong, which the Bible calls sin. And when he was on the cross, he stretched out his hands and he said, if you put your faith in me, the judgment you deserve, my words over your life is, it is finished because I've paid the price for you. It's an incredible thing. That's what the gospel is. This is who Jesus is, that he died in our place. And on the third day, he proved that not even death could hold him down. 
He was not only fully human, but he was fully God, and he rose from the dead and conquered death. And because of that, you and I, uh, when we put our faith in him, we can also conquer death and we can experience eternal life. The same baby in the manger in his adult years went on to say that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes into relationship with God the Father except through me. Through relationship with Jesus who took our sin, we can come back into relationship with our Heavenly Father who created us because the one thing that separates us from God is our sin. Jesus on the cross took our sin and on a, in a powerful way, he took it upon his shoulders and he died for it. And so the obstacle that separates us from God is now removed and we can come back into relationship with the God who created us to be in relationship with him. This is the gospel, that Jesus brings us back into relationship with God the Father. And it's a relationship with the triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, where we find answers to our questions of identity, worth and hope. Because our identity is no longer found in what we do. You can be a doctor or a lawyer or a cleaner or a carpenter. And that's what we ask each other, isn't it? What do you do? I'm a carpenter or I'm a pastor or whatever. And I am a pastor, but my identity is not the fact that I'm a pastor. My identity is found at a much greater level. I am, through Christ, a child of the living God. Loved, accepted, despite my failings and my shortcomings, I know that's who I am. And it's secure because it's happened through Christ. It can't be taken away. And because of this security, uh, I can be secure because it doesn't matter what people say about me. It doesn't matter what people say about you. And I might be a little bit naive, but I think most of you like me. Some of you may not. That's your problem. If I've said something that offends you, come and we'll chat about it. But but you can not like me because of the fact you just don't like me. And you know what's going to happen tonight? I'm going to put my head on the pillow and I'm not going to lose a second of sleep over it. I'm not going to lose one wink. You can delete me on Facebook. You can talk behind my back. You can do whatever. And the same for you. And you know what? Our identity is not found in what anybody says about us because our identity is found in what God says about us. And no matter who you are and what you say, God's word trumps it. You can be called Donald and it will still trump it. <laughs> and let me tell you what God says about us in Christ. He says we are complete. He says we're alive in him. The old has gone, the new has come. We are a new creation in Christ. We are more than conquerors. We are free from the power of sin and death. We're righteous. We're forgiven. We're valued. We're strong. We're loved unconditionally. And it doesn't matter who you are and what you say. God's word will always trump that. What a security we have in Christ. I don't know what the future holds in my life. I don't know what the future holds in your life. Anything can happen tomorrow. I hope that I'm pastoring forever. I hope my family remains healthy and strong and following the Lord. But who knows? I pray that follow continues to thrive. And, and many of us are journeying together for years to come because I actually love you guys. I, I love journeying with you. I love what God's doing in our midst. And I hope that ha- continues long term. But who knows what's going to happen with health? Who knows what's going to happen in life? But you know what? No matter what happens, I know there's a God who will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. And if my life is miserable for the next 50 years, my life in the light of eternity is like that. And I have an eternal destination in Christ that is secure. And there's incredible confidence in that. Incredible confidence. If God is for us, church, who can be against us? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life.
Can you really know who you are? Can you have an identity that's secure? Can we know that we are valuable and loved unconditionally? Can we know there's hope not only for this life but for eternity? Well, you know what? Because of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death and his resurrection, we can say a resounding yes, 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 yes over every single one of those questions. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I love that. Over every other emotion, over every other circumstance, let the price, let the, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Jesus says, Peace I leave you, peace I give you. You know, Christmas and the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all the people. Let us never be people who want his stuff but don't want him. Because tomorrow morning, whatever you unwrap underneath the Christmas tree, there is nothing greater, there is nothing more precious than the gift of Jesus himself. He is the greatest gift ever given and what a joy it is to know him. He came to cut through the busyness. He came to calm the storms of life to carry our burdens, to meet our needs, to forgive our sins, to provide unspeakable joy. He answers the big questions in life. He brings us peace in those. And most of all, he wants to be in relationship with each and every one of us. I just want to leave you with a question this Christmas time as we close up this this sermon. The question is this, where is Jesus this Christmas for you? Has he been pushed to the margins? Has he been lost in the chaos of Christmas? Has he stepped down the priority list? Did he not make the list at all? Because he says, here I am. And I stand at the door and I knock. And he says, anyone who hears my voice, I'll open the door and I'll come in. You see, so often we experience in our life what we invite into our lives. Stress and debt and anger and busyness and bitterness I want to encourage you this Christmas time to invite in Jesus because he's knocking and I believe he's speaking to us today. And I believe as Jesus comes into your life as Lord and Saviour, he will provide and you'll experience an unshakable and a life-changing peace because Jesus does draw near to us, the broken as Saviour. This Christmas time we can look, all of us, to the God in the manger but more than that we can understand he's no longer in the manger. He's no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the tomb. But he's reigning over all creation and he wants relationship with you and me. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Lord, we uh, just thank you for this Christmas time. I thank you for your incredible grace and mercy and at the birth of Jesus, we're reminded that the greatest gift ever given came. Jesus Christ, God, Emmanuel, God with us. What an incredible truth that is. Lord, we know that in a relationship with you, we can have incredible security in every area of our life because it's not dependent on us, it's dependent on you. And so, Lord, I want to pray for people here today that are Christians, that this Christmas, if you've not been in the centre of all we're doing and preparing, Lord, I pray that we would make the adjustment tonight with repentant hearts. We would say, Lord, we want you to be in the centre of everything this Christmas. May we look to you, may we celebrate you, honour you and exalt you. But I also want to speak to those tonight that may not have accepted Christ, Maybe you have and you've walked away and tonight you feel that he is knocking on the door of your heart, that he is speaking to you tonight. 
And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you to give you an opportunity to respond to the incredible grace of Christ. He died on the cross for you and for me. And we don't have to do anything to earn salvation except just receive what he did for us. And so if that's you tonight and you want to say, yes, Luke, I know, I, I struggle in life, I need a saviour. Well, no one's looking around, I'm going to invite you now just to lift up your hand and say, Luke, that's me. I'm not going to embarrass you, no one's looking around. Tonight I'd love to pray with you after the service. I just want to give a moment and just see if there's anyone here that says, yes, Luke, that's me. You know, I've been fighting this, but tonight I feel like God's speaking to me. Is there anyone here tonight in that position? A few weeks ago, I did the same thing and nobody put up their hand. But at the end of the service, someone came to me and said, Luke, I didn't want to put up my hand today, but, but I, that's me. What you're saying today is me. I, I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I was able to pray with them and they've started this incredible journey. And so maybe tonight, if you don't feel comfortable putting up your hand at the end of the service, there'll be a prayer team down the front. And I'll be down here as well, and I'd love to speak to you and pray with you. And if you were to receive Christ this Christmas time, it would be an unforgettable moment in your life and the greatest gift you can ever receive.